Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. That's all we huh. want, Chuck, is people to stop killing themselves and stop dying of drug overdoses. <laughs> I right? wish it were that easy. Yep. Well, no, I think it is easy. I think it is. I think our society makes it more complicated than it should be. You were out of town, or I saw your pictures from the mountains. I think right now, Chuck, you're going to know what it felt like to be Dr. Bob. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> you're about to be informed on what this organization that we co-founded is going to be. Okay. On so. episode 52. It's only taken us a year and a couple months to figure it out. So this would be Bill telling Bob, guess the, what we're doing. Yes, guess what we're doing. And I'm... I'm including you in it. <laughs> no, but no. I get the money from the books. <laughs> You're in charge of it. Yeah, my widow, my my mistress will get the money from the book. <laughs> there is no book. That's the beauty of it. Chuck, All right. wait till you hear this. And I, I just, I want everyone that listens to share into this idea that I had. So it all started with the suicides last week, right? And I know both people, I don't want to even mention their names, both people have problems with addiction, right? True. So, so of these 45,000 people that killed themselves in 2016, how many of them were alcoholics and drug addicts? I would say, I would dare to say at least half had substance use disorder. I haven't, now, I haven't seen the, numbers on it, but that makes but, sense. But don't believe yeah, that fucking makes sense. numbers. That makes it's sense. all bullshit. The whole society is bullshit. The <laughs> idea that I'm I'm thinking of killing myself and I'm going to call a 1-800 number and talk to some college intern in some social welfare department is ridiculous. That's why Anthony Bourdain is dead. He, the, the, the systems that are available to people who are desperately feeling alone and isolated and powerless and helpless is so fucking trivial and and no one is going to do it the guy that i did the suicide prevention uh youtube thing did you see that thing with logan paul yes okay that guy says something it's not the jumping off the golden gate bridge that is so profound to me though a guy living of from jumping off the golden gate bridge is pretty heavy mm -hmm. but i had already seen a documentary like 20 years ago about it what was profound was the fucking city of san francisco has these bullshit suicide prevention people that walk the bridge and the guy says in our video you know i was weeping I was standing, f fucking crying by the side of the bridge and the suicide prevention person walked right past me. Hmm. Do you remember that part of the video? No, I don't. You got to watch it again because it's the most profound part. There's no suicide prevention in America. Now, my friend John that runs the thing in New York, it's great that somebody's trying to do something, but it is wholly inadequate. What, what dealt with the, rev, the, the problems of America uh, over the past hundred years are rev, revolutionary people's movements. Alcoholics, the Oxford Group, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. We need another one for modern times. And so tell me if this is ridiculous. I think Don't Die should become... Um, a, con a connection of sober communities and suicide prevention advocates 
forming a simple self-help organization called Don't Die. Based on the philosophy, foundation, and traditions of 12-step groups, Don't Die will have no book. It will have no one in charge. It will have no dogma. It will have no rules. Just simply a place to go and talk about what you're going through, a place to connect with people who understand. I have, uh, I believe the guys in Milwaukee, Syracuse, and New York will sign on, and two groups here in L.A. This thing should should fit the 21st century, particularly millennials. There are no rules, just love and compassion for your fellow man. There is no program to follow, just connection. It will have, you know, and I'm trying to explain it to a friend of mine. So uh. it has no rules. It meets on a once a week basis. You just, you know, like you have a sharing meeting. I'm sure your men's stag is like that. My men's stag is like that. Everybody just shares for like three to five minutes. If you're having a really bad time, go eight minutes, right? Okay. The tendency is once somebody ha- uh, shares something profound is to try to talk about the program and the steps in order to help that person that shared eight people ago. I, 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 we don't need that. The, the book, the Alcoholics Anonymous, is very specific. Just talk about what you're going through. Don't solve other people's fucking problems. Right, right, right. right no, that, that's a big part of it. You know why it's become a big part of the 12-step world? Because people can't tolerate other people's misery. They can't tolerate it. So they want it to go away. It's, it's the epitome of codependency. Like, rather than just be present and be loving and be compassionate towards this person, I have to solve their fucking problems for them. Hmm. Millennials hate that. Because as soon as you tell them something, they're never going to do it. Because it came from an authority, which is whether it's a guy with five years in an AA program or a counselor or a therapist or a mom or a dad, they they don't listen to authority. They don't even think you're an authority. They've got Google in their hand. Right, right. No, so I, yeah. I want to create something that is just what I do with these millennial kids, which is just listen. Just listen. And if they ask me a question, I'll answer it. But they never ask. You know, but they, they do if you don't tell them what to do. Every once in a while I'll get asked, you know, what do you do about this? Or what do you do, what do, you do to stay sober? Then I can tell them. But if I come at them with the, hey, man, this is the only you thing. You need that, to do this. You that, need to do that. Then I've, I've lost them. Well, and I think that in the suicide component of what's going on, because I've really been exploring that the last six months, in suicide, it's all do this, do that. Call this number. Then when you, I'd, I'd like to call it on a future podcast, but I don't want to do it tonight. <laughs> I want to know, because I know who works for me. You know who works in this field. It's like students, and they're in, well-intentioned and well-educated, but there's no way they can talk me out of killing myself. There's no fucking way. No, yeah, it's like walking on the Golden Gate, and they have those phones. Where if I well, really, now they've replaced it with people. Well, they still have the phones. Last time we were up there in August, they had the phones still, so it's like... Uh, you really, you're going to stop and pick up that phone and tell a stranger, man, I, I don't really want to do this. If, I, if, if I'm bound and determined. The, the idea that you never become bound and determined, that's what Don't Die should focus on. That you have a community, that you have people that you can laugh with. I don't think it's so important that to, to work a program as it is to be a part of a community. And I've been this heretic in AA the last 20 years because everybody says, well, then what do you do? You just love and tolerate. That's what it says to do. It's pretty simple. 
I don't have to solve other people's problems. I don't even have to solve mine. Mm -hmm. But if I have a, a, a community to be connected to, there's less likelihood that I'm going to kill myself or overdose on drugs. There just is. No, that's true with the rats and with the people. That's the rats that don't do the cocaine when they've got other rats to hang out with. They put them in a cage alone and they do the cocaine you and fry know the themselves. Study. I forget that you're KDAC training. I forget <laughs> that. Mike doesn't know that. Let's explain to Mike. So, Mike, yes. the idea was, well, the, the testing that all chemical dependency stuff was based on was wrong. They did it in the 60s, I believe. Oh, and what they yeah. did was... You they mean I a, did all that research for nothing? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You were a rat in a cage by yourself and you did it all wrong. <clears throat> so when they initially did these tests, they put a rat in a cage and it had two levers it could push. One to get cocaine and one to get water or food or something. Right. Right? Sustenance. Yeah. Sustenance. And the rat was by itself in the cage. And they, and they put every rat they put in there just ended up killing itself with cocaine. So then they concluded, oh, my God, you know, cocaine overrides the brain and just will, you know, people kill, will do it unto, unto death. And that's where most of the ideas about chemical dependency come from. Right. Well, even, even the vital part where they put an electrical grid underneath the cocaine button. So when it pushed the button, it would get shocked. And it, cocaine. It would, it would get the cocaine. So it would, I, I, are, you, are you saying that if they put another rat in there with right, it, it right. might, it might no, have started did. like an organization to get together and <laughs> talk? It's not even a joke. They then did the <laughs> testing. This other researcher did the testing 30 years later and had a beautiful rat cage where they could go through tunnels and eat and be <laughs> over in this area and fuck and all this fun and a bunch of rats in there. And very few of them died of cocaine. That's amazing. But I think it was still like one out of ten or some yeah, stupid that, number like yeah. us. But that's yeah. I don't I don't need those people. <laughs> it was still like one in ten just dickhead they rats. Sit around the fucking cocaine uh, And lever. they're all talking about how those other rats are dicks and they're conformists and <laughs> fuck those guys. Fuck those guys. <laughs> with their, with their 48 the, kids. Exactly. <laughs> Look at them playing on that stupid wheel. Oh, what an idiot. Yeah. I'm gonna sit him. over here with you guys and wait for the light bulb to go on. <laughs> <laughs> true it's true and <laughs> and so yes it's so crazy that you bring that up i i because i forget how well trained you are <laughs> no i do i do because most people that work in treatment aren't that don't have that much education anymore they're just like mfts they don't have any training in addiction at all right yeah and i, I forget so so so, Mike, it blew the minds of, like, Dr. Drew and this guy Gene at UCLA, and they were all just like, oh, my God. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It, it, changed, it changed the whole the way they were looking at it. There's TED Talks about that stuff, too. Oh, is there? That, that are good about... I think don't die. Think, a, think about it for a minute. You're locked in jail. You're in jail. You're in your own cell, and they give you a pound of cocaine. <laughs> Yeah, you, you, you wish you were a rat. Huh? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? When he just described that, I was like, I wish I had a pound of cocaine. Are you kidding me? I, I would be okay in the I'd jail cell. I'd sign up for that jail cell. Yeah, but I wouldn't die like a rat. Well, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you might, but I'm I'm serious. I believe that the value of the twelve step world is the connection to other people. I think that the religious component of it the dogmatic like uh step stuff is 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 
interesting and it's good and you got to do something while you're while you're in it for years and years but i i don't think it's the most important thing about it and it didn't used to be perceived as the most important thing about it until rehab explosion in the 90s right that's when you started hearing about the steps i was going to meetings in the 80s nobody's talking about the steps they were talking about community and keep coming back and it works and like hang in here and let's go eat and then talking to you like what's bothering you? What, what do you think it is that's the obstacle in your way to, to, to you know, stand sober? They, it, was, it was much more human. Well, I think you, you hit on a vital thing there and that was how this is what this whole thing was about is how do we talk to the, the youngsters? Like I had a... Had a guy go home from treatment and a month ago, and then he, he went off a cliff in a vehicle, and is he's dead. And we had a guy who left treatment about a month ago, overdose, and he's on, he's brain dead, but he's on life support right now. Mm-hmm. And one of the other guys that went through treatment with him, he's, you know, they're, he found him. I got, so, I got, but, I got so, news for you. They're all gonna die. No, yeah. Well, no, well, I'm not fucking joking. They're not gonna live. Unless something gets created that has the impact that Alcoholics Anonymous has on prior generations, that's where I was the going. Millennials that's where I was going. Gonna die. Is that they're not going? So since they're not going, let's get something they can go to, or they will go to. And I like the idea of a community, and I like the idea of man, maybe even starting with a joke or two. Like there's got to yeah. be a joke of the day to well, start. Well, the whole the thing group. started by you and I and Mike. <laughs> How much more of a joke can that be? <laughs> You know, so, but yeah, you know, so because of the way I was raised, because of the moral system I was brought up in, it was a lot easier. It was an easy fit for me with AA. I don't think it's as easy for the kids now. I mean, you can't scare, you can't scare them with God stuff anymore. Most of them are atheists. I see more 666 and satanic tattoos and goat's heads tattooed on kids. You never, you, you never saw that when I was growing up. Yeah, it's just a posture though. Mike was married to a satanist. Oh, good for you, Mike. <laughs> Did you guys eat goat a lot? Did you eat goat and cat? <laughs> Mike does not. He, <laughs> did you hear just, that noise? Did I just shut him up for once? <laughs> I, I don't, I, what? I was married to a Satanist? Yeah, weren't you? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> how would you know? How would, how, would you, how would you not know, I guess, is a better question. You see, how many times have I been married? <laughs> <laughs> who would know, Mike? Weren't, weren't, you in, weren't you into witchcraft and all that kind of stuff? With who? With, like, a, a, a prior girlfriend. I don't want to name her. Oh, well, th- that's... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, he, he, forgot, <laughs> he forgot one of his wives. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, I guess she did hang out with the hugs. The, <laughs> oh, my. What's his name's daughter? Yeah, yeah Alistair Crowley. I mean, uh, Anton LaVey. Anton LaVey, yeah. Anton LaVey's daughter, yeah. Okay. Well, that doesn't okay. make you a So all that... All that great podcast is going to be edited. It's all becoming clear. It's all becoming clear now. (laughs) All we need is a beep over the S word. I think they like it because it backs people the fuck up, right? I I meet a lot of those kids. Like I'm into Satan. Like, dude, what do you don't know about Satan? (laughs) You don't know about Satan. Not like I do. (laughs) Not like us. (laughs) I ran with a dude for like three years. It's not fun. He's not a good guy. So, but no, but I really think that this now here, now watch this dual uh, uh, value of this organization. Where do people go to rehab when they're in the United States? To Florida or to Los Angeles? And then they go back to Milwaukee or to 
Lincoln, Nebraska, or to Ohio or wherever, they go back and they're not going to go to AA. They could go to don't die meetings. All we need is one a week. And, and just and everybody within the sound of my voice, get a bunch of your friends together, get a coffee house like meeting hall or some church basement or wherever the AA meetings are, and just start a don't die meeting. And, and simply the don't die thing is everybody just shares what they're going through. I mean, that's the best kind of meetings I like of 12 Steps anyways. If people, that's what a lot of the candlelight ones used to be like that, where yeah. there, there wasn't a lot of rigmarole, there wasn't a lot of um, outline. It was just a ba- basic... Yeah, no holding hands either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that depends on them. That depends on what if they want to well, hold that, hands. That's what I... I think there's no rules. Like, this, this idea that you make it what it is in your community. See, I think that's what's tearing America apart, is that... The federal, all the all the people who live in Los Angeles and San Francisco and Seattle and New York and Boston want this the entire United States to behave and think and say the things that we behave and think and say. Mm. I don't care what happens as long as it helps people in the communities. It, whatever they want to do, if they want to be a, a Christian organization of Don't Die, I don't care. If they want to be a Satanist organization of Don't Die, I don't care. I just trust that people in their essence are good. See, this is different than most people think. I think what makes people evil and selfish is greed, money, property, prestige. I think that has, is a huge part of the 12-step world. It's all about abundance and this and what happened because I got sober. Listen, I got something to tell all the people that look at my life and say, oh my God, he's got this and he's got that. I got this and that because I worked 14 hours a day for nine fucking years without a vacation and learned my craft. That's why I have a beautiful home. That's why my children go to private school. Not because I got sober. This idea that you get sober and, and you, you get, get and the lucky the lu- the lucky people get things that's no. bullshit. I what? fucking worked Mike, did you see me from 2001 till 2010? No, because I was working. He was working. Hard. <laughs> this is so reminding me of Wise Blood. This is the church of You this see the church of no Jesus. This is, a, this is the <laughs> meaning of no rules. No no rules. There's there's no steps. There's no nothing. But <laughs> but there can be. See, I expect because I've thought about it just for like since Anthony Bourdain died. I don't know why I was so affected by that. I don't know why. We, we all we all act. We all thought we knew him. I knew he, him. He's I a guy. I knew him. I have the potential to do that. You know, he talked openly about that when he had his daughter. That it's not. I mean, I love her, and it's a great thing, and it gives me something to live for, meaning, oh, you know, I need something to live for. Oh, yeah, he right? talked about checking out before. Mm-hmm. Right. He's talked so, about it. So I think that, that it, it affected, like, you know, w- with certain people, you just go, oh, that makes sense, you know. When Hunter S. Thompson did it, I was like, it's about time. Yeah, you, know you don't I mean? get to live that long. And <laughs> You're going to just say I'm an anarchist and hold a position in the government. Man, you gotta <laughs> yeah, so I just think that that I and this and he is you know I, I hate talking about people when they just pass but there are people who who never felt at home I feel like I'm a person I never have felt at home in the twelve step world I never have I go to it I've been in it I used to go every day for years and years and years I just have never felt 
like I've drank the Kool-Aid or I or I'm a member of it. I'm I'm you know how they say member in good standing? I have never in 22 years of sobriety never felt like a member in good standing in Alcoholics Anonymous. Hmm. Yet I've been in it. And so because so much of it I disagree with. Right? And I think people that drink the Kool-Aid, like many things in life, we just look away and don't want to think about the things that make no fucking sense. None. Working with others, it's very specific in there what each member of Alcoholics Anonymous is supposed to be doing to, to, to reap the rewards of helping people. No one fucking does it. Look at that silence. No one does. I've done it. I did it for years at my house in Joshua Tree and in Echo Park. It's a fucking nightmare. And people using your house and steal your shit. All the things that are in the big book. And then I Burn really... Burn your couch. You might yeah, have to fight yeah. them. I, yeah. And I looked around. No one else was doing it. And I was like, fuck this. Why, why, why well, I you took it literal? Guy. You took it literal. It was, it was meant to be an, an analogy for. Uh, <laughs> I, one of the, I, I tell you some of the greatest things. Like, I had this, Mike, you remember that house on Boylston? It had the front room that had a loft where Elijah's bedroom was? Yes, yes. I let this girl, Diane, stay downstairs on a blow up mattress, right? And, uh, and Elijah came into my bedroom at like seven in the morning white as a ghost like dad she's doing drugs in there and i went in and she was in the bathroom i was like diane come come out of there what are you doing and she had sat there all like all morning trying to find a vein and there was blood all over the downstairs of my of my room and she was hiv positive too and i was like diane how could you do this right well bill wilson said they're gonna do that you're yes. going to do that, right? Right. And I didn't stop then. I had Matt. My friend Matt was there for like months and using. And then my friend Todd stole all my guitars. And I figured, because I want to do it exactly like it is in the book. Well, at, back then, though, the, and also it does say just occasionally you may have to take a man in to, you know, it doesn't say dedicate your yeah, life to no, taking I wasn't, men. No, and, but know. I'm saying I'm saying I had like over, like this started in 97. I quit in like 99. So... Over like a three-year period of time, it's about 10 or 15, 10, 12, some just for like a week. But also when they wrote, when he wrote that, it, it was like you just took an alcoholic in and sat on him for a week or two, you know, or maybe a week. But, you know, it's not like the depth of drug addiction that that drug addiction has reached. Jesus, I wish you would have told me that, Mike. It would have yeah, saved geez, me a Mike. lot of stuff. Oh, Help, that, geez, if That's you knew part that. of that 1935 to 1997 <laughs> gap. <laughs> You gotta look at that book. You gotta look at gaps. that book like a black and white movie, man. You know, it's just not technically <laughs> advanced. It's not as technically advanced as nowadays. Oh my! But you know, it does. And that working with another man, there's nothing will do so much to ensure your sobriety as intensive work with another alcoholic. But that's in your first few days of convalescence, is what it says. It doesn't say, you know, forever you keep doing this and you go to seven meetings a, a week and you must dedicate your life to this and leave your family at home and ignore your children and do all that. And, but a lot of people do that. But, you know, that's great for them, and I'm glad they're doing it, but it never worked for me like that. Yeah, I don't think... I just felt like that working with others, that I wanted people to stay at my house. Like, Bill Wilson's a big hero of mine, right? Flawed human being. I hate that they beatify him like he's Jesus. 
He's not Jesus. He was a fucked up dude. It'd be nice and to that, see a real story. That was well. That documentary is pretty good. Where the stepson talks. You ever seen I, it? I, what's it called? You know, the AA Museum is out here. Where is that? that? Well, there's an NA one at Via House. No, there's an AA Museum. You can call and get an appointment and go in and see it. They only open it up for, you know. They're not going to tell the truth about Bill. They're going to keep it. uh, No, it's a museum where they just have a bunch of the artifacts. It's out here somewhere. I forgot. I've been to Dr. Bob's house. Me and Dick's Denny went there and sat at the table where Bill and Bob came up with Alcoholics Anonymous. Right? Nice. There's a table. There's a table that I got in Las Vegas at a used furniture store. Someday people might want to sit here. <laughs> and I go, Bill, don't, <laughs> don't die, started. Go, Bob was sitting right there <laughs> with a microphone and headphones. No, I really, I really think, I've been thinking it for years, right? That there needs to be, so there needs to be, there needs to be, you know, and I've been hoping that it'll come back around. And now, you know, I think everybody's pretty, sold on the fact since Donald Trump is president that that things are not the same as they ever were and they are not <laughs> going to go back to the way that they were listen this guy's in North Korea right now what if he what if he denuclearized North Korea and then he goes to Iran and sits down with the Ayatollah and and the president of Iran and settles that what are liberals going to do I don't know I I I I've been shocked. I've been surprised at every turn. I thought there was nothing new under the sun, but I no, see new this stuff is every day. Crazy what's every going day on there's new stuff. So, so my idea was that uh, you know I noticed it about ten years ago that people were not going to the to the they weren't just like eventually after six months or eight months of going to meetings feeling better about it and being positive they were going because i told them to go and because i would go with them and just not catching on and then finally you just give up right i started noticing it with you know about 2007 2008 right and and usually if I went with somebody and I debriefed with them, we went to Canada's afterwards, and I said, dude, don't listen to those fucking idiots. And I tried to explain <laughs> my kind of more broad uh, philosophy of AA that eventually they just, you know, figure out their way, like a lot of my friends have. But there was this new breed of people that were not. And mm-hmm. ever since then, I've been thinking, and now there's just no denying. I mean... The, the, these 60, 70, 80,000 people that are dying, um, I, you know, a lot of them have been to, uh, to the 12-step world and it just doesn't appeal to them, right? So what if something was just the essence of the 12-step world, which is love and tolerance, love and compassion, just that, just come share, you know, and we'll go eat afterwards. I have a feeling, because I believe that most of the people that will be in this don't die startup thing will be members of AA like us that like like AA and go to AA but we're not gonna we're not gonna proselytize it you know what I mean no I I don't see ever I, I don't think it's hurting me at all I enjoy the 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 meetings that I go to that I've discovered are the ones that are off the map because they're the good ones you know my little secluded area of aa i'm going to keep going i'll keep going as long as as long as i get something from it and i do but it is a lot of looking forward to seeing those people and i know them and they know me and it is a support it is a it's a total support group where the rats in the cage that hang out with each other so we don't do the cocaine well here here's one thing i think that is very specific to millennials they can't tolerate um like 
like the people I got sober with, a lot of them <clears throat> are um, were had a completely different philosophy of of AA than me, right? And when they would share, it would make me cringe. But I liked them. Millennials don't have that ability to discern. If they don't like what you're saying, they don't like you, and they don't like this in a, in a really black and white kind of way, right? So the example being, I was hanging out with a couple of guys that I really liked, and they were funny, and we'd go riding around, and we had nowhere to go. We were all homeless. <laughs> One guy had a car, and we'd go to meetings every day, you know, as soon as we got up, and we were staying at a friend's house, a friend's mother's house in the spare right. room. Two of us most of the time, three sometimes, right, sleeping on the floor. Then we'd get in his car, and we'd pool whatever five bucks we had for gas and go to an AA meeting and eat the bagel and cream cheese at the morning meeting. And then we'd go to a noon meeting, and, you know, and then we'd try to bum money, and then in the nighttime meeting, we'd go, you know, and somebody would take us out to eat. Or I, my thing was, I would go somewhere, somebody would say, hey, wait, you want to go to Canners? And I'd say, I don't have any money. And they'd say, oh, I'll pay for you. Hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? That was kind of a junky move, but it worked every time, right? <laughs> I'd love but, to. I'd love to go to Canners, unfortunately. But, but as, my, as I got more familiar with these two guys, one of them just it seemed like he didn't even know what the fuck was going on. He didn't know anything about anything. He would just say, I'm just really happy to be sober, and like just nothing. He had no opinion on any of it. Then the other guy was a real devout you know, he had gone through Impact, and he had all the spiel of Impact programming. All the bumper stickers. And so I would, I would think, like, why the fuck am I hanging out with these guys, right? <laughs> one, one doesn't even know what he thinks, and one is like a fucking rah-rah, you know, Impact saved my life. It wasn't for the grace of these rooms and the 12 steps. And these are two, these are two people I don't... I've had a lifelong friendship with them now, right? Hmm. Because I could put aside what they were saying they believed or put aside that I didn't have share the same ideas as them. But I could, I realized like I like hanging out with them. They're funny. They're cool to hang out with. They got your back. You know what I mean? You could, you could be a part of them. But as soon as they started talking about their philosophies of AA or what they thought sobriety was, I was like, why the fuck do I hang out with these guys? You understand? Right. But okay. I needed it, so I did. The kids nowadays don't think they need that. They don't need that. And they're constantly going to hear stuff they don't like. But they, they need something, though, because what they're doing isn't working. They need the riding around with two guys that desperately want to be sober. That's what they need. That's all they need for like two years. <laughs> if they could just do that, you know, and then you'll have assholes, you know, they'll say you can't stay sober two years without working steps. Yes, you can. Yes, oh, yeah. you can. That's bullshit. Yes, you can. People I do. I didn't do a four step till I was a year and two months sober. How did I stay sober? Wow. How? Of course. How? <clears throat> well then you hear the other well whatever we that that's a rabbit hole i could go down that forever because i know they would spend they would do the steps in an afternoon it wasn't like what people are doing they didn't have workshops they didn't keep doing four steps they didn't you know they didn't they didn't flog themselves with it it wasn't uh, used as a religious replacement 
right. so that you could be guilted and feel bad about yourself and need to do more. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I got to tell on myself, you know, I'm not doing what I should. Well, that's a whole, we understand that those are people that grew up in the guilt ridden times. The kids aren't, they don't feel guilty anymore. So it doesn't work. Yeah, they don't, they're, you know, and, the, and, and yours and I's and all the members I know that are sober now, their parents weren't chasing them around with a, you know, with a, with a credit card willing no, they to They were chasing them away. It. Yeah, they were telling them to get the fuck out of here. So, so anyways, if you want to start, you guys, particularly Milwaukee and Syracuse and, and Dave in Las Vegas, if you want to um, start up just a once-a-week meeting with some friends and just get the word out to the Suicide Prevention Hotline that you have a, a self-help group, a support group for people that are that are having troubles and suicidal. Because I know where you can get the people. It's the suicide prevention hotline. It's rehabs, right? So my idea, this doubles as so millennials. Yeah, your your treatment center doesn't doesn't push the twelve steps in the website and the marketing. Neither does Aloe, right? Because you can't survive. You can't have a rehab if you push the twelve steps. So ask the Betty Ford Center. Right. The Betty Ford Center has even changed into MAT and all kinds of bullshit, right? Because they don't want to say, hey, 12 steps aren't for everybody. They're just, they're just so old and they can't be flexible. So now they've got MAT and, and pain management tracks and professionals tracks and all this kind of stuff to try to stay in business. The rest of us have kind of worn, and me and Evan are just like, you know, well, whatever. 12 Steps is one part of it. It's not, we shouldn't be selling 12 Steps anyways for profit, right? So, so most of the kids are, are, you know, they end up going because you and I say, you know, through the couple months they're with us, like, hey, it's good. I mean, I don't take it all seriously, but it's a place where there's other people that you can hang out with and be connected to. So I've been saying that for 10 years, right? Why not create that place? So Yeah, since no one else will, damn it. You know, because... There we go. Because they, they just... And I just think that idea... All we want is people not to die. They can make up their own minds. I don't, I don't like controlling other people. I don't like having say in other people's lives. I don't even know how to run mine. I don't know how these rehabs and these people that you know gurus and all this kind of stuff i don't know how why they want the responsibility of other people's lives i don't want it i just want to try to not kill myself and not do drugs and be connected to other people i like that right. but as far as telling them call me at 7 a.m or do this or do that or you know you need to work on this you need to i don't have I don't, I'm not interested in controlling other people. I don't know why that is. Why is that? Are narcissists not interested in controlling other people? I thought they were. Probably only care about yourself. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah, but, but at the same time, you want other people to t- take care of themselves. You know, so there is, there's compassion. There's a ton of compassion in you. What is the thing that makes people want to control other people? What is that called? I, I, I think... What I see a lot of times is that people that are afraid that their own life is not manageable or not in control, they, they see that they can do it. You see them do it with their kids. You see them do it with people they sponsor. You see them do it with, in their, their work. No one at their work is doing anything the right way. Everybody, you know, so they're gonna, they want to run everything. I, I don't understand. It I don't understand that. It must be exhausting. Because, like, I have friends that sponsor, like, 13 guys. I'm like, I sponsor two guys. Like, how can you fucking... 
And I don't even sponsor them. I, whatever. We're just friends. Well, that becomes but, an ego thing when they're collecting them like that. No, but they have book studies at their houses and everything. Like, what? You know what I mean? Like, and answering questions. Like, dude, I've been married four times. I got three kids by three different women. Like, I should be giving no advice to anybody about anything. Right? Except you haven't done drugs in a long time. Well, that is simple. I went to AA. I don't <laughs> use no matter what. You know what I mean? But that's not the answer people uh, want. Right. I don't use no matter what. That was, that was critical to my sobriety because the, the, what I was hearing at the meetings 50% of the time made me want to never come back. And maybe that's why I relate to millennials. Because I really don't like a lot of the stuff I hear. And for some reason, you know, I did this podcast that I said I wanted to kill myself all the time. <laughs> I don't know if you listened to it. <laughs> you haven't listened to the last no, one, have you? No. Oh, my. I, 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 can't, oh I can't listen to them okay. most of the time. Okay. Because so, I'm on them. So since, since Friday, Mike, when you released that podcast... Three three meetings have asked me to speak at them, like big ones <laughs> in Beverly Hills and stuff. Ooh. Yeah. You're popular because you, you're sad? Because <laughs> I'm sad. <laughs> Your depression is impressive, sir. Would you please come speak at our meeting? <laughs> that's, Maybe that's, they're just trying to keep me alive by getting me to come. That's a Morrissey Award. I think you've won a Morrissey <laughs> Award. won a Morrissey Award. Everybody likes me because I'm so sad. <laughs> yeah. So, very... <laughs> I, so I'm speaking on the 22nd at 7 in the morning in Silver Lake. Then the 29th is like is a Friday, like a big meeting in Beverly Hills. Then uh, Malibu on a Saturday, I forget when. And then Tropical on the Saturday night meeting that I started like 20 years ago. Right? So that's five meetings. I haven't spoken at a meeting in like a year. <laughs> <laughs> I became popular. Oh, Mike, you made me popular. Depression is the key. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. You have to uh you have to post. He's got a good message. He wants to kill himself. You'll have to post when you're doing that. I haven't seen you do like a a, a talk in a place like that. A tour? I just haven't seen you do like a You know, you know what's weird and I think it's otherworldly or uh, higher selfly, let's call it. I don't when I talk, I don't really express all these opinions. These are opinions that I'm expressing in podcasts and mm -hmm. in media and in group, you know, in didactic groups. I just tell my story. Like, I always pray, even though I don't believe in God, I pray, just let me tell what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now, right? The what it's like now gets a little weird because so much of what it's like now involves you know, being disillusioned and wishing things were different and stuff like that. And I try to appeal to millennials to take over AA and push all the old people out. There's no one in charge of this place. Kick them out. <laughs> Make them feel uncomfortable. No, it's serious. No, I know. I, in Huntington, I don't know what was going on with you guys. Mike was in Long Beach, but I was in Hollywood. And there was like an, a lot of old guard at 3rd and Gardner and at Rodeo, right? That we're, we're alcoholics, we're real alcoholics, and us junkies and Bob Timmons's brigade of fucking musician junkies just came in and just alienated them all, and they all fucking left. <laughs> I'm serious. Well, they, they, either, they either got hip to it, like a bunch of the Beverly Hills women really got hip, and they were like, yeah, we were popping pills, and we were doing coke, and we never talked about it because these old grumpy men wouldn't let us. You know what I mean? But it revolutionized like Hollywood, Beverly Hills, 
uh, East Hollywood Silver Lake Echo Park 12-step world by us saying, fuck you, old man. Who the fuck are you? Oh, you got you haven't drank in 30 years? Maybe you should, you fucking grumpy <laughs> bitch. Right? Yeah. I wish millennials would say that to us. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think it fits though. I don't I don't I don't I don't think I'm miserable. I've I've seen the miserable people. I don't think I am. I I I feel good most days. I don't I don't I don't have a major depression. Maybe well, I'm no, in denial miser- about but how miserable is dispre- expressed nowadays is different than then. Then it was just strictly this is Alcoholics Anonymous. If you're a real alcoholic, you identify as an alcoholic. Inevitably at every meeting I was at in the late eighties, early nineties, that was said. In counter to all of us to saying I'm an alcoholic addict. Right? Just that simple. We're being respectful. You know Mm-hmm. I, I'm an alcoholic addict, right? That was, they didn't like that. They wanted the addicts to go to Narcotics Anonymous, not to Alcoholics Anonymous. And it was very obvious because they would always share, you know, wits it in the valley, they'd share, you know, this is Alcoholics Anonymous and I've been an alcoholic for 27 years and, uh, you know, <laughs> you identify if you're a real alcoholic, you know. And we just pushed them, we either got them all to shut up or leave. Or welcome the new generation, right? That should be happening now with this step Nazi stuff. It really should. It should be a pushback against telling other people what to do, against you know unsolicited advice. If you're new, what you need mm-hmm. to do. Nobody fucking asked you to speak to the newcomers. There's nothing in the in the literature that says, "Hey." Make your, make your, oh, Johnny's here. Oh, our next guest is here. That's excellent. You know, it's, it's, that's funny because that's one of the things my, my sponsor says all the time is, you know, I'm just saying what the new guys need to hear. That's like the no. height, the height of arrogance. No, you How do you know? know? You How do you know? Yeah. You haven't, you haven't listened to them. You don't know what they need to hear. The height of arrogance. So, so anyways, I think don't die, please. Am I crazy? I'm, I'm open that I'm crazy. I can just go back to watching television and just playing with my kids. <laughs> I don't need this headache, trust me. But something has been pushing this idea, and I think it's because you and I are on the front lines. I had, I had um, th- since last time we've done a podcast, I've had two of my long-term clients die. <laughs> like people that I was getting accolades for turning their lives around. Right, and I was like, "Not me, it's them." No, 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 they got nothing to do with me. Right, one of the saddest things talking to the one guy's dad. One of the saddest days, like about a week and a half ago. Right, I'm tired of it. I worked in this industry for 20 years. The first 15, I never had conversations like I had the last two weeks. Rarely, rarely. It's all the time, Chuck. Somebody has to do something. So anyways, I think that, you know, I'm more appealing to if anybody out there who, who wants to be proactive and try to help, just start a group with you and your friends and then contact local kind of rehabs and say, hey, if you're kicking somebody else, somebody out, you know, because I think it'll be a value to the rehabs, right? Okay. To say, hey, you know, go to, go to the Don't Die meeting because it's hard to tell when these kids go to an AA meeting. They're not going to go, but they might go to the Don't Die meeting, right? Right. When, Maybe. Who knows? I mean, I, why not? 
because it's so simple. I, I'm not telling you you have to believe in God or you have to do anything. I just think you need to be around people who are there or have been there and are surviving one day at a time. Just like, I don't kill myself one day at a time. I don't, yeah. I don't use one day at a time. I don't. I just, that's simple, as basic as I can get. I'm a part of an organization that has a bunch of rules and regs and all that kind of stuff, and I, I sift my way through it all. But that's, that's not what keeps me sober. Hmm. And I talked about that. You know, I would have killed myself in 2001 if it wasn't for my friend Dick. I would have. I would have killed myself several other, time, other times in my life if it wasn't for Pete and Keith Morris. And so you could say Dick saved your life? A dick saved my life. Dick saved my life. That's Bob's <laughs> no, quote. No, and I've done the same. You know, somebody heard the podcast and texted me. It was so beautiful. And I know I, I was over at his house. Well, I'm going to have to listen to time. it. No, it's just about if you've got alcoholism, it's almost a given that you've got some sort of depression. If you've got some sort of depression, you might have suicidal thoughts once in a while right? And the suicidal thoughts are just something that are unacceptable in our society. I don't know why. Ideations don't even put you on the high risk for suicide on the assessments. You know that. Ideations don't put... It, it's, it's attempts or plans and stuff. So the idea that just because someone else can't imagine having the thought doesn't mean having the thought is inherently bad. But I, Nietzsche said it's the only real thought to have. <laughs> Frederick Nietzsche said, ultimately, it just gets down to whether to kill yourself or not. I read that when I was 16. I was like, that's my guy. Right? Sounds like a miserable, yeah, miserable a, man. It, well, many, many people are miserable, Chuck. I, know that, I don't want to be. Well, you have been. <laughs> <laughs> At times. Not a lot. But you, you, Oh, come on now. You got to have some, some misery in your life. No, because ultimately we don't have any control over anything and we live in a, a world where we try to act like we have control, control the illusion of control, right? Mm -hmm. There's no control. It just, it just ebbs and it flows, right? So Fine. let's see. Email us at criesandwhispers at hotmail.com or don't die podcast, I think is an email. You can email rehabbob.com. You can call me on my cell phone, 213-804-3843. And let's get this thing rolling. We just need like some people out there that want to fucking once a week get together and try to get some goodness going on in your community. It's so simple. Like just get together for a place for a, a place that calm in the in the storm of somebody's life that's thinking about killing themselves or that's that's you know thinking about using and doesn't want to go get told what to do just wants to be a part of something. I think it could be a beautiful thing. I think so too. We'll call it holding virtual hands. <laughs> Why are you in this holding hands thing? I know he's got a problem with the holding hands. That tells, like that, that tells me a lot, but we'll discuss that later. The, I uh, like holding hands with my kids. <laughs> well, well, bring them and then put them on each side of you. There you go. Right? I, I, you know, the holding hands never bothered me. It's the thing that we have to chant like some religious cult. You, you, know, you know what? I, I was just thinking that there's probably someone listening right now going, I wonder if I'd be allowed to do this. 
And I'm thinking, well, Bob said <laughs> there are no rules. So, yes, you probably could. Yeah, but do you think we could do this? It's well, Bob said Jesus. there are no rules. So, yes, you can. Yeah, but what about this? Well, no, the, no, the, the idea of no rules. Can you come loaded? Of course, you can come to Alcoholics Anonymous loaded. Most people did for decades. Of course we you can. We encourage it. <laughs> Not. Don't, Just don't die at the don't die meeting. <laughs> don't go gung-ho before you come. But, but of course, anybody struggling should be able to reach out and have a compassionate, loving, understanding human being who pats himself on the back all the time for being so spiritual that we should be there for you. That, that's my belief. I, yeah, I love I, it, man. Right? That, that's been it. Like, you know. I just like I like talking to new people way more than people with time. Maybe that's the blessing of my life, Chuck. I would rather talk to one of my clients and one of my friends of 20 years sobriety about this subject matter. It's always been my thing. I like wonder like what do you not like about it? What do you think is cool about it? What why do you, would do you think that you it has any value to you? I'm interested in what the person who's coming to grips with it thinks. I'm not interested in what Jack thinks of it. I, I'm not. <laughs> no, I, I love him. He's a great guy. That's got nothing to do with it. The idea is, I hear what you're saying because I hear stuff from new people all the time um, that I like. It, it's not rehearsed. It's not canned. They haven't said it a thousand times. It's not a pitch. It's, it's more near their truth. You want to know, I'm going to confess some, uh, a real secret. So I only go to like one meeting. Mark this so I we only can go cut to, it out. I only go to like one meeting. <laughs> A right? year? No, like a couple. Every, I try to go every week. I try to go every week, but it's every other week, probably, right? Okay. And then I'll go once in a while with these two friends of mine that are in LA that like to go all the time, right? So on average, in a month, I probably go to four meetings, right? Okay. When one of these kids that I've become attached with say, well, I'll go to meetings that you go to, it makes me have to go to meetings. <laughs> and I don't want to be committed to that. And it's dragged me back into tropical so many fucking times, I can't tell you. And I always have a thing like, okay, I've come four Wednesdays in a row, so, I, so you're on your own now, because I live far away, right? But uh, I, I, get, I get asked but that I'm, all the time. Do, where do you go on Thursday nights? Because I go, Monday nights I got uh, Claremont, Tuesday nights I got band, Wednesday nights I teach anger management, Thursday nights and Friday nights are my time to spend with Bug. So it's like, well, they go, well, well you see, you're free on Thursday night? No. <laughs> No, I I'm can't not. turn down a request. <laughs> but but the reason why I talk about it is because I think we all need to like step up a little bit. There is a tsunami of death sweeping across our country, right? And and people I know are killing themselves. And I, I it's just like it's not acceptable. And to just rest on your laurels and make some pontification like well some people have to die so others can live it's just not good enough anymore it's just not good enough so let's try to do better all right all email right, us man. see you later bye bye, bye. turn bye. the music on mike okay bye <laughs>